The thoughts and opinions on Just Some Podcast are of the hosts and guests and do not represent the views of organizations that employ them or they volunteer for. They are also not responsible for spontaneous black holes or nuclear wars that may occur. You have been warned. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another fun-filled and exciting episode of Just Some Podcast. This is Tom. Hey, this is Ben. Tom, how's it going, man? It's going great. I am super excited. I want to tell everybody about our very special episode that we are recording tonight. It's Nurses Week. It is. We're doing a special for Mother's Day, and we have a spectacular guest I'll let you introduce I would say, Tom, this is probably our first celebrity guest, wouldn't you think? Absolutely. I mean, besides me, I'm pretty much a yeah. celebrity. But I'm here every week. <laughs> as soon as you get that Nobel Prize, maybe. <laughs> Still uh, waiting. But no, so we have Liz on the show, and everybody might know her as I'm.nurse.liz on Instagram and Facebook. And where else are you all at, Liz? YouTube. I think that's it. But that's, yeah. I think famous is a bold statement, but I'll take it. <laughs> Well, you're talking to two guys that primarily have 84 listeners, some of which only speak Lithuanian at this point. So, I mean, hey, you know. (laughs) We'll take it. Yes, there you go. But I will actually congratulate you as well. When I win the Nobel Prize, it's going to be fantastic. So everyone's getting a little piece of love. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. So, Miss Liz, how, uh, how are you doing this week? Yeah, I'm pretty good. My toddler is uh, has uh, that lovely cold bug going on, so she screeches like that pterodactyl scream all the time, which is, you know, That's it's awesome. just, yeah, it keeps you awake all the time. <laughs> yes, well, a ter- how are you? A pterodactyl would also keep me awake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mostly, honestly, my six-year-old is kind of a night owl, so once you get him to bed, he's actually pretty much out. Oh, beautiful. He does occasionally fall out of bed because he rolls around a lot, <laughs> and he's a hoss, so when he hits the floor, <laughs> trust me, everybody knows it. So it, that's a, you know, that's always a fun way to wake up. It oh, yeah. might as well, your house might as well be on fire, but, you know, that's always pretty good. Ben, your week? You know, my week wasn't horrible. The only issue that I had was, of course, I worked this weekend at my moonlighting job, and I was so excited to get off work at 7 a.m., and I had all my stuff packed up, and I was headed for the door, and the nurse was like, who's working today? And I'm like, I don't know. Not my problem. Like, I'm out the door. And I said, look at the schedule. I don't know. And he says, "Um, schedule says you. And I'm like, what? He says, yeah. So I go look at it, and I'm like, oh. So I scroll back through my messages to our ER director. And sure enough, I'd picked up that extra 12-hour shift that I didn't realize, so I dejectedly just went back to my little sleep room and 
cried myself back to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) That's always awesome. No, honestly, well, my week has been really, well, good. I don't want to jinx myself because it's still going on. I am a hockey fan and my team just lost, so I'm a little... You know, sad, sad face about that. But realistically, other than that, this week has been great. So I'm all ready to go. And since we've already mentioned social media outlets once in this show, isn't it time? Am I jumping ahead? You gave me the don't do that look. I don't know. I was was surprised you're going there this early, but hey, I'm good with it. Well, I want to get out of the way. We got a lot of stuff to talk about and I want to get to it. All right. All right. So you can find it on... Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, all at Just Some Podcast. You can find us on the web, www.justsomepodcast.com. You can also find us on our new podcast listening host, which is justsomepodcast.libsyn.com. And you can email us, admin at justsomepodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out on Helium Radio Network. We are a syndicated radio show as well. That is Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central. Tom, what else can they do, man? Well, they can share us, they can rate us, and they can review us on any of those social media sites that you just listed. They can also find us on YouTube, uh, where our Lipson automatically uploads us. They can also go to our website, scroll to the bottom, use our Amazon affiliate link, click on that. It's free for them, no hassle, and everything they shop helps out the show just a tad, just very little bit. But we always appreciate everything they can do, and so far it's been pretty awesome, so we appreciate all the help. Miss Liz, for you social media shout out i like where i am yes yeah, sure. oh, okay so i have a you youtube say anything channel. you want i don't care oh, okay <laughs> i have a youtube channel and it's just nurse liz and then i'm at like you guys mentioned the on instagram mostly at i'm.nurse.liz so which social media platform do you find the most hits on or the most activity um probably i don't know I guess more people probably watch my YouTube, but not by a ton. I actually have a ton of people that watch my Instagram stories, like a surprising amount. <laughs> so, but I'm not really good at posting on Instagram. I'm terrible. Like I try once a week and I fail, but Instagram stories I'm pretty good at because those require zero preparation. Just turn the camera on and go. Yep. Right? yep. <laughs> so that I can do. So Tom, before we get too much further, man, mm-hmm. our Amazon link. Okay. So we had someone contact us about the Amazon link. Uh-oh. About some of the items that they had purchased, you know, because we've talked about that over the, over the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Were they admitting to something? Because I don't want to yeah, know. Yeah. Oh, no, God. Actually, <laughs> so, yeah, there, um, let's just say there was a rather large purchase of some lubrication. Ooh. As well as an inflatable sheep. And it was determined, after I hear the story... That it was for somebody who was returning from deployment, and so that was ah okay. So, like <laughs> they sound like there's some great people to party with. Oh yeah, <laughs> I always want to point out to listeners we can't tell, obviously, unlike this person who contacted us to tell us. Which hey, big ups to you. Bold move. <laughs> bold move. Yes, very bold move. But when when you see something, you're like, huh, I don't know what you need two cases of D-cell batteries for, but I'm down. Like, let's figure out what this party is. But it's all great. I, I'm just glad people use the link and uh, participate. So that always makes me feel happy. I'm still shocked, to be completely fair, that 
more people haven't emailed us or given us feedback. Like we get way more hits on our Amazon link, or at least it seems to me, than we get feedback. So I'm like, huh, that's weird. I'm pretty sure at some point I have made enough people angry, at <laughs> least in the states of Mississippi and Oklahoma alone, <laughs> and possibly Ireland, that somebody should have been contacting us, but nothing. Speaking of states, Tom, I looked this afternoon on our podcast statistics we are currently downloaded in 48 states whoa there's oh, two that's that right. there's two that we're missing now we've we've yeah. got alaska and hawaii now there's two that we're missing it is delaware <gasps> and delaware oh i can fix that i lived in delaware for years oh there we go, there we go. what <laughs> delaware and i didn't hear the other one what was the other place vermont vermont i know some people hmm. in vermont so maple syrup <laughs> <laughs> and the place that's near Rhode Island. Those are the two places we don't have. Yes. First of all, I'm kind of offended you think Delaware is by Rhode Island, but it's okay. We'll talk about it later. It, or No, wait, I'm thinking Maryland. My bad. I'm sorry. Look, it all kind of runs together. I know they eat clams or something there. I don't know. Like the most, my favorite thing I remember about Delaware is Wayne's World when they got the green yep. screen and he's like, hi. I'm in Delaware. Yeah, <laughs> like... pretty much most people's knowledge of Delaware. Well, there you go. That, that's what it is. So since we're on social media for just a minute, I did want to bring up one more thing before we get into stories we missed this week. And that is for anyone that's following and listening, and that's probably my mom and apparently Miss Liz. Thank you, Liz. No problem. Other than those two, I just want to make sure everyone's up to date that my wife has still not listened to anything I've said and... I still continuously talk about everything in the episode and she just mm -hmm, and follows along like she's listening to the show and has yet to mention one time that I have continuously said that she does not pay attention to anything I say and that she actually doesn't listen to the show. So, okay, Liz, if you were dropping hints like this on your YouTube channel, how long do you think it would take your husband to figure this out? We are a year and a half running. Oh, see, there you go. <laughs> That is it, it's I drop it pretty often just to see, you know, what's going to happen and it is yet to come up. Well, it's funny because, like I said, I watched several of the episodes and I, I tried to do some research and it was funny because he was in a couple. So I was like, oh, well, mm -hmm. you know, he's probably part yeah. of the show stuff. So now that you said that, I'm like, oh, OK, yeah. well, that makes that makes more sense. <laughs> yep. I, oh, yeah. So I can't wait at. I don't even know if she'll be mad. I know there will be that like little bit of chagrin. Like she'll like probably give me some side eye when she figures this out. Mm -hmm. But because I almost guarantee because I've made such a big deal about you being on the show that she may pop up. And then when I say for several weeks, I wonder how many episodes she'll go back to try to figure out <laughs> just how mad she wants to be. So Ben knows my wife. It, she is a very mild person. She is the perfect foil to me. Like where I always blow up, she's the meek and mild. But man, when you do get her angry, she has a tendency to, she's a firecracker. So it's good to know you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I only bleed a little bit when I get stabbed, apparently. <laughs> we'll find out. So, all right, Ben, what other stories may have we missed, including the one where my wife didn't listen anymore to the show? Other than that story, what other story is there? Well, Tom, did you by chance run the London Marathon recently? You know, I think I missed it this year. Was that yesterday? I don't know. What happened? Well, there was a woman, a nurse more in particular, you know, this is Nurses Week, so I thought this was fitting. She wanted to break the Guinness World Record for running the marathon dressed as a nurse, and she did break the record. However, 
She was told that because she was wearing scrubs and pants rather than a skirt and a traditional nurse's cap, that it was not a valid attempt. Oh, snap. Because full-body scrubs are too close to the organization's definition of a doctor's costumes. Who? Hold on. <laughs> Who is this? London Marathon? Because I'm writing a note. Right this, is now. Guinness, this is the Guinness World Records. This was their... This no, was no, their... No. London Marathon, then yes. Guinness... Yes. So a bunch of beer drinking jerk faces that wrote a book one time have now decided what I need to be wearing. Gotcha. Just writing a little note. Exclude Ireland from acceptance speech. There you go. That note's in there. All right. Go on. I was just going to get uh, Liz's take on that. That is hmm. (laughs) good luck with that. I feel like they were just maybe like they saw the whole thing that went down here a week or two ago. And they just, they were like, hold on, <laughs> let's get in on this. Let's see how many more we can make angry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So I am not a runner for those that have ever seen me in person. I don't think anybody would mistake me for a ballet dancer or a distance runner of any type. But if anything has ever made me go, I think I want to run a London marathon and run it in a skirt and a nurse's cap just to scream out that screw guinness book of world records i think this might be it this might be it ben now i will say in full disclosure that she apparently was told prior to the event that she would need to wear this traditional garb oh. and she has asked the uh, organization to reconsider and initially her request was denied however they have now said that they would review their rules nurse named jessica anderson she's a nurse at royal london hospital she was quoted as saying, some of the nurses I work with do wear dresses, but mostly we wear scrubs or a tunic and trousers, and I've certainly never seen a male nurse wearing a dress to work. Booyah. So, we will have to continue to stay tuned. Her time, in case anybody is just curious, she ran the marathon in three hours, eight minutes, and 22 seconds, which beat the previous record by 32 seconds. Well, having heard that time, I'm going to have to reconsider my motion to run this marathon. <laughs> I'm not sure I could drive it in three hours and eight minutes in London, so I'm probably not going to run it. So, yeah, I thought that was a great story for Nurses Week. As Liz said, let's continue to piss off the nurses. (laughs) It's fun to watch. I think maybe they think they're safe because they're in the United Kingdom. I know we have people that listen there, right? Yes, we do. We have Actually, we have quite a few downloads over in Europe, and we just gathered another continent. We have downloads in Africa now. Oh, boy. Well, I know Ireland for sure. And I'm pretty sure we said England and Wales and Scotland. So yes, all six of you listening over there, get on your high horse and uh, say something to Guinness. See, this is how you wield might, Ben. <laughs> You're wielding. <laughs> there I am. I'm a wielding. All righty. Is that it? That, yeah, that's the story that I had, man. Just that she ran the marathon, but she only wore scrubs, so it didn't count. Yeah, because that's not cool enough. Ugh. Yeah, that's... I don't know that it's just one of those things. And I, it was actually one of the the things I think we've talked about before is tattoos. No, that's one of the things we talked about making a future episode is, well, since we got Liz on here, we can kind of go over it a little bit. So Liz, what's your take on professional wear? Do you think somebody has to be in scrubs or that they need to dress up, especially now that you're a nurse practitioner? Do you have a preference? What I prefer, if in my perfect world, I would still wear scrubs. I have to wear business casual, but I really don't think it matters. I think more of it is just how you present yourself. 
more than anything and how you like handle yourself. You know what I mean? Versus what you're, I mean, don't show up in like holy sweatpants. <laughs> that might be awkward, but yeah. And honestly, I am allowed to wear pretty much whatever I want. I mean, again, I don't think I would show up in holy sweatpants. Yeah. So, though you never know that last month, if I ever put in my, uh, my, I'm going to somewhere else. Let's see how far I can push this guys. Uh, <laughs> but no, I wouldn't do that, but I can wear scrubs and I do have a couple set of scrubs. I bought specifically like they're new. Don't wear them very often. So, yeah. you know, they look very nice and I work primarily as a walk-in person. We have specialists that come in. Of course, they all wear scrubs, all the mm -hmm. orthopedics guys. So it really doesn't look out of place in my office for me to be in scrubs or if I wear a polo or a jacket, whatever. Yeah. I am the only person in my office generally that wears scrubs and I don't care. I'm a fat body. So that's why I wear scrubs. <laughs> so, <laughs> so funny enough, one of the other MPs, she used to wear scrubs all the time and then she started wearing dress up. And finally one day I was like, Hey, why don't you wear scrubs anymore? She was like, well, you know, I feel, I feel like maybe people would judge me or something like that. I'm like, Oh yeah. So then I just started wearing scrubs way more often <laughs> and I kept pressuring her and a couple of times she's finally buckled. So she'll text me. She'll be like, Hey, I'm wearing scrubs a day. Cause you know, I'll wear them. So then she won't feel out of place. I'm like, yeah, that's how we start a revolution. Yes. Here it is. So, exactly. Now I'm going to work on, I, I feel like there's one of the doctors. I feel like I can get her to crack. So if I can get her on board, we're going downhill real quick on this. So, But it's the same thing, I think, with dress as it is with tattoos or anything else like that. Honestly, I think society and culture is changing yeah. and having those visible. Granted, just like you said, I think there has to be a modicum of class to it. Like if it's a naked dancing lady in a hula yeah. skirt, probably don't want that on your forearm. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm glad you were a sailor, but you probably shouldn't have that yeah. while you take care of patients. But realistically, if it's, you know, design work or it's part of a whole sleeve that was designed to be that way, I truly think that probably I would guess in the next five to ten years, it's going to be very common to have visible tattoos. I hope so. I feel like it's such an odd thing that we squash like, oh, I'm not a human outside of work. Like, exactly. Oh. <laughs> I would say, I don't know about where Ben or you are at. I know up here, several large health systems, including Ohio Health and Ohio State, have made it so they do not care. You can have visible tattoos. I know University of Indiana's health system has now made it so that you can have visible tattoos. So it is becoming more acceptable. Yeah, it was much more acceptable I went when I lived up in Michigan than it actually was here, ironically. Okay, hold on. Uh, I, I, I knew that was going to get him. I was like, oh, God. Oh, boy. Hold on. <laughs> I know. We won't talk about it. It's okay. We'll just move on. We should move on. Are, are, are you? <laughs> I, I did. I worked there. <laughs> they weren't. <my> okay. <laughs> are, are you from there? I am not. Okay. Mm -hmm. Are you a Michigan fan? No, no. Oh, Oh, okay. See, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Everything's fine now. We're back. We're back to where we're. I was about to say, stop, stop the show. Where, where did this happen? How could this have happened? Again, and I also think perhaps, and Ben, this would be a, a good example for you because I lived in the area Ben lived in, which is way more rural. Do you think it's less accepted because of that rural? Because I'll tell you right now, in the urban area I live in now, it's not a thing. Like nobody cares. I think some of it, dependence on the culture the administration brings to the healthcare system. I have noticed recently 
maybe some more laxity on some of that. I've even seen staff members, non-nursing really, you know, that even had like a visible small stud in their nose or things like that. So I think it's becoming more of a, or I guess less of an issue. Well, and like Liz said, we're human beings that possibly have these piercings, modifications, tattoos, etc. away from work. Why do they think it's permissible to say you are not? That's just like when uh, people get mad because you took a lunch break. I am a human being. I am allowed to eat and, you know, urinate as needed while at work. No, just because you don't want to believe that. So it's I think it's well, I don't know about bigger for me. and I don't know how many tattoos you have, Liz, but I'm completing a half sleeve that would have been a full sleeve except for professional standards and. While I think it's becoming more accepted, I'm not really willing to mm-hmm. put it all out on the line just yet. So yeah. I think that's one of the reasons maybe it's a little bigger for me. It was like, hey, I wish I had yeah. that tattoo out there. Do you have tattoos? I don't. I could probably see myself eventually getting one. But at this point, I'm so indecisive that nothing. I've, I haven't liked any one idea for more than like a year. And that's kind of my <laughs> like. I have to at least be into this for one year. No, that's, that's kind of an important decision. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's one of those things like, you know, and I'm glad there are people out there that they just get a design. They're like, oh, that looks really cool. I know a lot of women that have anchors tattooed on them and none of them were in the Navy. And I'm like, you know, I mean, that's really cool. I'm glad you like it. But, you know, that's in your skin, right? Like, that's not going away. That's forever. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You can't just go next year. "Hmm, I want to I want a unicorn. No. Mm-mm. You you can't put it there. That's how that works. So, well, since we broke in a little bit on that, I guess I kind of wanted to talk about some of the other stuff and then we can kind of go into, since you're the only mother on the show and we're kind of doing this for Mother's Day, I guess let's start there. Let's start with how do you feel being a mother has impacted or has it changed anything for when you were a staff nurse to a nurse practitioner to has it changed your perspective or how you operate or anything like that? It definitely. So I worked in pediatrics when I worked bedside for many years. And I think in that aspect, it definitely changed it. And I almost wonder if I would have had to change kind of career paths if I stayed bedside. Cause after I had my daughter, I was just so much more, I could put her in every single place of every kid Yeah, I can see that. that you interacted with. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, like, <laughs> So I was definitely more emotional, but I think it made me too more like attentive to little things in just like my day-to-day nursing practice in terms of caring for them, you know, because I was like, oh, like if this was my kid, this is what I would want someone to do for them. That kind of like mama bear came out for every human. So that was good and bad, bad for my emotional health, but good for them. (laughs) It's funny because I was looking at Ben and honestly, as far as the having a kid changing you exactly the same it was yeah. before kids i was hey what's going on like oh get your kid over there or something like that especially like when i was a police officer like i could go to any call it didn't matter kid not kid but after having a son i was like oh God. yeah <laughs> it was it really changed a lot about how i approach things mm-hmm. or emotionally impacted yeah. you later on yeah because like you said suddenly it becomes that could have been what if that was my kid? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even like little things where you were like, oh, like just let me, I'm just going to put the IV. It's just an IV. You're going to be fine. Like, yes, it's going to hurt. It's going to be, we're going to get over it. And now I'm like, oh no, like yes. <laughs> you come near my child with that. Yes. It was definitely a big change 
for me. And so I'm, I guess that makes me feel better. But one of the things I remember specifically you said in one of your videos was crying because you had to work yeah, the weekend yeah. or mm-hmm. holidays. Was that the same? I'm assuming it was not. I don't remember the context if it was since you became a mother or did you always just hate that? I think I've always hated holidays, but it's because it became like more intense once she arrived. Because before then, I mean, she's the first baby too in our whole family. So we would just kind of shift holidays as a whole. And then I don't know when she arrived, it was like as if my two month old knew what Christmas was like, oh, this is December 26th, mom, this is not going to fly. But I think it just made me more aware that I want to be home on the weekends with my husband and my daughter and kind of have family time rather than it was sort of getting disjointed there because I could be home with her during the week, but then not on the weekends. I was working all the time. So that made it hard. And continue with the motherhood theme, you are currently expecting, correct? I am. And how is that going? A lot better than last time. So (laughs) (laughs) turns out when you're not working and in grad school at the same time while being pregnant, things are generally a little bit easier. I, I, Oh my gosh. Uh, I know Ben has multiple children. You're working on multiple children and I go and my kids actually well behaved. I I think every parent likes to gripe like their kid, like, Oh, I know, but my kid's actually pretty self-sufficient and not that big a deal. But you guys that have multiple kids, just like I stand back and I salute. I'm like, God bless you people. (laughs) There's just no. mm -mm. It was a moment of weakness. She must have had a cute day. And I was like, yeah. If your husband ever wants to know about vasectomies, you tell him you know somebody (laughs) that can give him some information. They're not that bad. They're really not. But I kind of, well, and I want to know Ben's opinion, but I liked holidays. Mm Mm-hmm. I liked weekends. My wife was a night shifter. I was a night shifter. Oh, I was too. Yeah. We were like, hey, you know, Christmas, you want to pay me double? Sure. (laughs) You know, like, let's do this. And and I think this is funny. I'm not, I don't think I'm giving away too much information here. My wife was one of those people she had never really considered having children. We weren't anti having kids. We just had never been like, oh God, we can't wait to have a family. So when we did have our son and then that first Christmas came up, like you were saying, all of a sudden she was like, no. Like Mm -hmm. we, we have to be ready. I'm like, he's a couple months old. You realize he doesn't know. I could literally tell him today is Christmas, you know, on (laughs) September 9th. And he would still look at me and shit his pants because he's wearing a (laughs) diaper. Like he doesn't care. And, but to her, it became this thing. And I, I wonder, I'm not saying as a father, it doesn't mean anything. And this is the part I wanted to ask Ben, but I think this is something it's more of an emotional attachment for mothers. Mm -hmm. I would agree because I, for me, uh, yeah, I enjoy my holidays with my family when I can have them, but that's all my children have ever known is that I work. I yeah. Mean, mm-hmm. And so for them, it's not a huge deal. So I would probably lean with the, in agreement with you, Tom, that it, it maybe it is a more motherly instinct thing. Hey, don't get me wrong. If I win the lottery and I don't have to work at all, sweet. I'm not going to complain about that, but I think it's more of a, the male attitude of, it's a day to work. Mm-hmm. And if I need to work, then I work and the mothers attach. And I'm not trying to be sexist. I'm not trying to, I just, I feel like that's more of a motherly aspect yeah. to how they feel about it. Yeah. Well, working with many, mostly girls, it was definitely an emotional day to <laughs> be whenever you were working. It was all the moms just sitting in there, obviously not very happy. 
No. And you're talking to two male nurses. If anybody knows, because, and, and I watched one, one of your videos and I wanted to talk about this too. And I guess we can kind of transition that way was males in nursing and how it kind of helps level out the floors. Right. Yes. While I completely think, well, it's hard for me to say that because I'm the male. Yeah. To me, it doesn't seem any different, I, but I remember girls and I'm sure Ben can feel this way, like saying like, thank you. I'm so glad you're here. But at the same time, if it's something where all the girls are emotional, you are now a lightning rod. Like, <laughs> uh oh, I can't say anything. I can't do anything <laughs> because you know who they're going to take it out on you. Keep so your that's... Keep your head down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> Why are you so quiet, Tom? Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Nope. Not today. Mm -mm. Nope. No answers. So have you read like the newest statistic I saw was that males are now 13.7% of the nursing force. What types of things do you think we could or should do to bring more men into nursing? What do I think? Yeah. Well, I'm not asking Ben. Yeah. I don't care about his opinion. <laughs> You're the special guest. You know. <laughs> I think it still is just so almost marketed to girls and I don't even know how kind of like gets down that line but I feel like still it's kind of seen as your the boys will go to med school or they'll do something like almost in that track versus yeah. and I don't even know when that start like when do we even start thinking about that because I feel like a lot of people have been a lot more intentional with it lately to be like you can do whatever it doesn't matter but I still feel like even all the guys that I did work with, they were constantly mistaken for anything but a nurse. And it was just like, I. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I would say my background is primarily, and this is something we're going to talk about later, but my background is primarily ER and ICU. Mm -hmm. And when I worked with several smaller females and we'd all be in scrubs. You walk into the room and they instantly look at you and start saying, hey, doc, mm -hmm. I would just bite my lip, like look down, shake my head. No, slowly, like, mm -mm, no, it just kind of point over to the yeah. to the doctor and be like, no, she's the physician, bro. You need to you need to speak to her. And I understand that. But I think like, well, the story Ben brought up is a perfect illustration in order to be identified as a nurse. You still have to wear a skirt mm -hmm. and a hat. Yeah. And it's hard to tell guys yeah get out of that persona when that's literally a guideline for a record yeah i think too like if we highlighted more of the science behind the profession i feel like a lot of the times in the media even we portray it as like oh nurses these caring like i'll hold your hand and sing you song like all the videos that you go viral are like yeah. nurses singing songs and holding hands with people and they're like there's so much more like of a scientific very calculated aspect of our jobs that I think would be much more appealing to guys maybe rather than them being like, Oh yeah, I want to go hold an old lady's hand. And like, not that that's not bad, like that's a bad thing, but I'm just not sure if that's the method of attracting gentlemen into the profession. It's a valid point because yeah. I mean, if you think about like the new Johnson and the Johnson's videos, you know, there's yeah. mm -hmm. a male nurse in one of the videos that's, you know, administering the medications. It's still that, kind caring compassion which is not bad i mean that's what nurses are known for but you're right if you know you maybe think a more scientific approach could potentially change some of the, the stigma that comes along with it yeah and i think and boy i'm i really don't mean this in any bad way but i think also there's this perception of still like the doctors are going to bark out orders and you're supposed to run mm -hmm. around going yes oh, yeah. sir mm -hmm. and honestly i had a physician when i first 
started saying, you know, I'm thinking about maybe applying for nursing or something like this. A physician literally said, he's like, dude, you're going to hate it because some physician is going to bark out an order and you're going to be like, who are you? And I mean, he knew me, so it was, it was a good conversation. And that's a whole nother thing to talk about is the sexism in nursing. But I understood what he said. I'd never experienced it quite the way he made it sound. Mm -hmm. But I do think that, like you said, when you put all those factors together, it's still seen as as singing to old ladies in mm -hmm. nursing homes and we're running around just scribbling down notes for a physician, it's awfully hard to take a male and say, hey, this is what you're going to do. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying there's women that want to do that. I'm just saying socially men are like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> like mm -hmm. I won't even consider it now mm -hmm. that you put it like that. And I have never truly experienced that. But I certainly understand the whole I have literally had female nurses. I did float for a couple months. And when I would be up on the floor, especially at night, if there was a terrible news or they didn't want to wake up a doctor for them, they would ask me to call oh my because <laughs> they didn't want they knew they I wouldn't get yelled at. And they didn't want to deal with it. And I would gladly do that because that's you got to do something for the team. You know, I mean, you got to mm -hmm. you got to do that. So it is a little hard to say, hey, men, be this guy. <laughs> yeah. And anytime someone needs lifted up, oh, yeah. <laughs> you're going you're to be called out to that. Or security. Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, or security. Yeah. So, yeah, the only time I really got hurt was in an ICU fighting a drug overdose on bath salts that the propofol ran out on. And guess what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Somebody had to go in there while security was on the way. So, yep. Yeah, that, that was less than fun. So... That brings me up to something else I saw. Oh, Ben's got a... I wanted to know how, Liz, how did you get into, or what made you want to start making videos on YouTube Ooh. or Instagram? I mean, how did you come about that? So it's kind of a lot, we'll try to abbreviate it. So I didn't even really start watching YouTube until I had my daughter and I realized I had no idea what I was doing and I wanted the internet to tell me what I needed to buy to make this easier, which kind of led me into a bunch of, there's like a whole mommy vlogger. I don't know if you know world on YouTube where like moms, mostly stay at home moms fill their lives and they can make you feel, Oh, like I'm not the only one that's losing my mind with this six month week old that won't sleep and yada, yada, yada. Okay. So I kind of found like I was watching those and I was like, Oh, that's nice to, I think people want to watch other people kind of going through a shared experience and feel like I am not the only one doing this. And that worked for, a very short amount of time because then I was like, wait, I'm like going back to school while I'm having this newborn. So I don't really connect with all the stay at home moms. And I was really, really angry at a lot of the stuff that was going around in my life. Because when I had my daughter, pretty much my school was like, you need to take a year off. And everyone around me assumed I was going to take a year off. And that made me really mad because there were several gentlemen in my program that welcomed new babies and everyone congratulated them. And then I got pregnant and everyone was like, well, see you in a year. And I was like, what? Okay. And so then I was like, look, I went on YouTube and I was like, I wonder if anyone else has done this. I had a baby while they're in school and they were working and like, it was fine. And then I didn't really see anyone. And I was like, well, I like to talk. So what if I just filmed myself while I'm talking almost as like a therapeutic, just like, right? hey, maybe someone else is going through this and I'm just going to document it. And that's kind of just how it started was I was really annoyed <laughs> that everyone was telling me I couldn't do this. And I was like, I'm just going to do it. And then I'm going to film it <laughs> and see if anyone else feels like that. So that's kind of where it came out of. And so 
Oh, I was going to say, is there any reason you picked filming yourself versus like what we did with a podcast? Was there a reason or just ease of use? Probably it was just easy. Like that was what felt more. I'm definitely not a writer. So I know a lot of people kind of go to like the blogging thing. And then I think just since I wanted it to be more of a documentation of my life, along with videos on specific topics, I was video just seemed to be the better solution. I feel like a podcast works really well for topics, but I was like, I don't know how I would document my life on a week to week basics on a podcast, but I don't know, maybe it would have worked. Well, and I can see that. And I think the videos make it more human and personable. I mean, like a Mm -hmm. blog, yeah, you know, there's someone behind it, but watching the video, you get to see your, and you can sometimes hear on podcasts, you know, you can hear our reactions and things, but Mm -hmm. you actually get to see that visualization. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think since I kind of felt that just watching them from the other videos that I had watched very early on when my daughter was born and I felt that like connection and camaraderie with these women that I did not know at all, I was kind of hoping that there would be something like that eventually. Like, oh, maybe if one other person even sees this and is like, hey, that's in my situation, there could be some kind of connection like that where they were like, oh, I can do it. One other person has done it and this is going to be totally fine because no one ever told me this will be fine. It was just the total opposite message. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Not the message we need to be sending out in school. All we talk about is encourage people to do all the things and then with our patients and everything. And then they kind of preach the opposite message. I feel like a lot of times in nursing school and I was just like, no, no. How long have you been doing it? So I started, I've been doing it for a year and a half now. Really? Which is crazy. Yeah. I started when she was five or six months old was kind of when I got my stuff. I was enough together postpartum to be like, okay, (laughs) I think I can wrap my mind around doing something else. And I think last time I looked YouTube, I think you had like 27,000 subscribers. So do you have a lot of people reach out to you saying, Hey, thanks for putting this out here. Thanks for that. Yes. There's other people that are going through this and they feel that with you. Yeah. And so that's been, I think that's probably why I kept going because almost immediately there were a couple of people who were just like, oh my gosh, this is my situation. My school, you know, like I found out I was pregnant, I'm working, I'm in school. And I didn't, pretty much they said like, you have to quit. And so it was nice to see somebody else that didn't quit and it was fine. So that's been really awesome. And I feel like, okay, good. (laughs) I accomplished my job. Even if like two other people out there were like, this was helpful. (laughs) Thank you. Well, I kind of feel bad for people that are new mothers and trying to do this stuff because like you said as a male no one even suggested yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and it's like wow like being a mother and being a nurse practitioner both singularly aren't difficult enough but now they're trying to say oh i'm gonna throw some more obstacles and tell you to quit while Uh, you're doing it wow i'm sorry oh no on behalf of me and ben i'm sorry (laughs) i don't know what else to say (laughs) It's not our fault, but I still feel terrible. I don't know what else to say about it. It turned out fine. Everything's no, fine. Yes. Clearly, <laughs> clearly it has. Yeah. I just, oh gosh. No, and yeah. I was just, th- it was cracking me up. I was thinking when Ben was talking about getting into this and I was like, yeah, cause me and Ben, we got faces built for podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think uh, some of the reason we started the podcast was a lot of the same, to an extent, some of the same reason is, you know, we had, kind of looked out there and it was some of the podcasts that you could listen to were just very monotonous and kind of boring. Mm-hmm. 
And yep. Tom and I have been friends for 20 plus years. Anytime you get us together, it's usually a good time. Um, and so it was like, let's just do this and press record. And if no one ever listens, then it's not a big deal. Yeah. And it's kind of and from there. I guess this brings up something. Since you have grown, I've seen your sponsors on some of your videos and congratulations. Like I said, you're growing and I think that's amazing. Have you ever felt any sort of pressure on any of your recordings or something from somebody to go, we'd like you to see you do this or try and do more of that, etc.? I think, mm, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like it's almost from... No one's not that anyone has ever said anything to me outright, but I know some of my opinions are very unpopular, especially with anytime I feel like in my own, if I ruled the world, nursing school would look a lot different, for example. Oh, and boy, yeah. I feel like sometimes nervous to say things like that. Not that anyone's ever come out. Well, a few people have sent me messages about some things like, how could you say that? You know, you're like betraying all of nursing by saying yada, yada, which is just. That can be, that's my, probably my biggest issue with it is just feeling like, not that I represent all of nursing or whatever, but that some, I wouldn't want someone to encounter it and then think I'm bashing the whole profession when I just have some issues with some areas of it. I, if that makes sense. No, yeah, I understand that completely because there are times and where we've talked about doing an education episode and I'm sure we still will. I have somewhat unpopular opinions, particularly yeah. in regards to you should not be able to be. 18 and start nursing school, graduate at you know, 21, 22, and then not work any time on the floor anywhere or do anything nursing related and then mm-hmm. start right into NP school. Yep. You're not, you have no foundation to build on. Yeah. And that's not a popular opinion, particularly with a lot of the diploma mill schools that are out there. And, and so I, I understand exactly what you're saying. Yep. And that is a big one. <laughs> that is a big one. And I honestly, that's one of the nice things I think about Ben and I, we have known each other for a very long time. We don't agree on everything, most things, but not everything. But even the things we don't, we still recognize we can have a conversation. We haven't run into the people telling us you've betrayed us or done anything like that. I honestly don't know how I react when we finally get one like that. But at the same time, that's something we have talked about multiple times, which is, hey, we're going to do this. This might not be popular. And we kind of said, well, this is what we want to do. Mm-hmm. And so we just move forwards. And yeah. I would always wondered, like, I wonder if other people, yeah, <laughs> get, you know, if they're doing that. Yeah. So, so and especially like you said, and I guess we can address it for a minute if you guys want to, which is what is your opinion about standards for people going to nurse practitioner school? I think some experience would be very beneficial. Well, one of the first things I always try to point out to people is literally the name is advanced mm-hmm. practice registered nurse. Yeah. How the hell are you going to be an advanced practice registered nurse if you ain't never been a registered nurse? Yeah. Like it kind of defeats the whole purpose. And when people say, so in some states, I mean, I, I know it's state to state, some states allow full practice authority. Mm-hmm. They're basing that on the fact that you have experience as a nurse, that you have this advanced education and assessment skills, et cetera. We're realistically going to let people that don't have any of that background set a standard that we are then going to be held to as mm-hmm. well. It just seems like a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. Or crank up the clinical hours like crazy, at least yeah. to kind of like uh, like how PAs have to have so many. If you look at the oh, training, yeah. con- like differences 
if you don't have that background, it would make more sense to maybe model things a little bit more after that. Like, yeah, do something. And you know, no, I I agree. And I think for the vocal few that come out and say, "Oh, you betrayed nursing" or whatever the the hell the case may be, there, I think there is a very large, silent majority of nurse practitioners that are like. Yeah, you are giving us a voice of saying what we mm-hmm. say. They may just be afraid to say it because they're afraid of pissing off the wrong people and a mm-hmm. and whoever else. But it still needs to be said, and if mm-hmm. you put it out there, it's you know, it, it's not. No one's ever going to address it. Yeah, and I think it's yeah. hard too with all just like the cl- uh, the culture of people are trying to defend the nurse practitioner role in the first place, and so you feel like you can't say anything against any part of it because then it's just going to get attacked by people who are already trying to discredit your profession in the first place. But then that's not serving anything because we every, it just keeps going because no one's saying anything about it because we're worried it's going to look bad. Yeah. And ultimately that's one of the positions I've always taken is so if a physician's group is attacking nurse mm-hmm. practitioners because of poor standards, mm-hmm. your answer is to continue to enforce poor standards. Exactly. That yeah. does, That's a, self-defeating argument and instead of just saying hey this is an issue this is a problem we've identified it let's fix it Mm -hmm. you're especially facebook has a couple groups where they're like no every everyone should just love us i'm like no No. that that's just yeah exactly (laughs) that's not how this is going to go down so we can either and i i'm sure ben and i i know ben and i have said it before if we don't deal with it eventually it's going to deal with us Mm -hmm. And I really do not want to have dedicated my life to a profession where some 24-year-olds then destroy everything I have built up because of poor decision-making. And that just that is a legit fear of mine. What is going to happen if we allow the base to erode? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> and so lighter topics. <laughs> <laughs> on that happy note right (laughs) yes exactly well to me i'm not trying to be a bad news bear but at the same time i honestly think that this is something like ben said i think there's a large portion of people that are afraid of Mm -hmm. whiplash so Mm -hmm. they won't say anything and like you said it's something that needs addressed and i have told pas that i have worked with i am jealous Mm -hmm. of the amount of extra training yeah and then when they get done for like i've looked at maybe someday going into a specialty like mm-hmm. orthopedics most of those orthopedics they want a pa yeah because oh it. they have surgical yeah. and they have this and they have that and while i could work for them and they could train me and i could do all that stuff they're like why i can just hire a pa and he can just do it yeah and they're <sighs> oh yeah i could say so many things their classes i feel like it's so much more structured where you're not kind of just out there YouTubing your way, which mm-hmm. seems or not the best. <laughs> you're writing important papers on that nursing theory. All that theory that oh, you're going to use. Yes. All that theory. Yes. Um, thank God I wrote 4,000 extra papers instead mm-hmm. of learning how to actually take care of my patients. Yep. I mean, I already wrote 4,000 papers to get here. Yep. If I can't write a paper by now, what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah, that's just a... You never know when you're going to need that APA. 
<laughs> yes. Yes, Mr. Jones, I'm going to diagnose this rash on your stomach, but first, let me write you out a uh, level one indented paper on why this is contact dermatitis. Yep. Yeah, that's, that happens to me pretty much daily. I didn't catch your heart attack, but I wrote a really nice essay on it. <laughs> Still hurt? Yeah. <laughs> So, Tom, what other videos of hers have you watched oh. to bring up? Because I know there was a couple more that you... Oh, yeah, there was, there was several. I mean, and she may or may not even want to tackle all you these. You pretty hard, so yeah. <laughs> yes, I did. So, well, and so we were talking about backgrounds and one of the videos, and I know you and I have talked about this, or and I don't know if we've done it on the air, but I know we've had this conversation for sure in private, was med search. Mm-hmm. Should someone start there? And I feel somewhat hypocritical (laughs) because I believe that most people should, or maybe as a profession, we should say, hey, you should do a year or two before you'd go to a specialty, Mm -hmm. even though I didn't do that myself. Yeah. I I didn't either. So, (laughs) but we have friends. You've heard us all reference Sam on the show, Mm -hmm. and he is an excellent nurse and he works at ER and ICUs now, but he did do med surge first. And I think he would be one of the first people to argue that, yeah, it did help out. Mm-hmm. When I f- went to float, it was a ginormous culture shock mm-hmm. <laughs> to me to go from an ER where I had a lot of latitude and a way different set of skills. And then you walk into a med surge and you're like, what do you mean I have to call someone about Tylenol? Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> what, do you, what is this? What are you talking about? And honestly, some of the skill sets that they had, it was stuff that I was like, wow, I wish I had dealt with this before. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was something that just jumping into it. So what is your feelings on that? I feel like you can't go wrong if you do start there. So I did start in med surge. It was not voluntary. But now looking back, I think that provided me with huge learning opportunities. So you definitely can't go wrong if you start there. I think it gives you a good perspective like you kind of said, for going onward into whatever you're going into, and it makes you appreciate it a little bit more. And you gain skills there that you really can't gain in most other places, just because it's just such an interesting, challenging environment. But it gives you so many opportunities to learn so many different things that you wouldn't necessarily do if you weren't forced to in that situation. Well, so for instance, for me, I started off actually at a level two trauma center's ICU. They did not in particular take brand new nurses. Mm -hmm. However, this was a specific instance and it was unique and another hospital had been destroyed by a tornado. So they were kind of like, hey, we need people. And some of the other nurses I knew, I had been a police officer. I wasn't a brand new person. I'd worked in high stress environments. So they kind of vouched for me. That's mm-hmm. how I got into it. So it wasn't like I just walked out of yeah. nursing school one day. There, there was some background and I was a unique situation and a unique person to fill that gap. But I think there's some of the horror stories I heard over the reasons why they don't allow new nurses, like medication errors that were completely common sense mm-hmm. are all things that could have been eliminated had those nurses worked a year or two on med surge before coming up to a high stress ICU. I just, I mean, I could not have imagined going straight into an ICU. So I'm super impressed that you did because I feel like I just needed to get my feet wet first. But I've seen lots of people that did succeed and did really great, you know, going into it, especially if you had a really good training mm-hmm. on boarding time. 
Yes, I honestly, truly, completely was blessed with a couple preceptors that were top of their game. They'd been doing it for so long. I won't say her name just because, but she literally went by one name. Like Madonna went by one name. Everybody <laughs> in this hospital knew her by one name. Yep. Even the the physicians. If you just said, well, she told me, they're like, oh, okay, we'll go do that. It was, oh, she said it? Oh, well, then don't worry about it. It was this whole persona, but that's because she had earned it. Mm-hmm. She'd been doing it for yeah. years. So I got that and I felt better. I think doing that though does a couple things one it helps eliminate some of the constant short staffing in some of these hospitals if you say hey we always are going to have people to fill med surge Mm -hmm. i think we eliminate that it gives them some experience two and this is a personal thing i don't i was wondering your opinion on this i have noticed especially this newer group i mean i'm still a new nurse myself i still feel in some ways but a lot of, for lack of a better term, kids are coming into nursing and they're like, well, I don't want to work night shift or mm-hmm. I don't want to work weekends. Mm-hmm. And I think us tolerating that and saying, well, you don't have to work med surge. Oh, and you don't have to work weekends or you don't have to do this is setting a terrible standard. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if you had any thoughts or if you had run into that. Cause I've heard people say, well, I don't want to work weekends. I'm yeah. like, I didn't realize you've got a choice. <laughs> You're like, like what? <laughs> I think there's definitely, at least from what I have heard from people who either like came right into pediatrics or they were going straight into the ICU, and I've seen it actually a lot on social media where there seems to be a stigma that if you go into med surge, you have failed somehow, and it's not nearly as prestigious as if you were to immediately hop into an ICU or get into a specialty area that's seen as more like labor and delivery, something that's much more seen as desirable. And I think that's really sad. I think that would be the thing that makes me the most upset about all of it is you're not failing because you worked in med surge. Like we need people to work in med surge and it's going to teach you so much, but that whole attitude that surrounds it of like, I'm too good for this almost is just like, what is happening? That is sad. I was really happy. One of the hospitals, I had worked at they were really pushing and not in a bad way like it was more of encouragement Mm -hmm. or the board certification or what is it called there's some kind of certification for med search Mm -hmm. yeah and they were like hey they had regular group training sessions they really pushed hey you do a great job yeah do a hard job be proud of this extra accreditation why don't you go for it? Mm-hmm. And I loved being an ER nurse. I'm going to be an ER nurse and part of my soul till I die. I loved it. Yeah. It's just, yeah, who Yeah, it's in there. But anybody that one hasn't been on a mentor floor and says anything bad about them, that's disrespectful in a way that I can't describe. Cause like I said, I floated and I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> this is way hard. And two, they are the backbone of the entire healthcare system. If I ever hear an ER nurse, and I was quick to correct them when I heard it, was, well, you know, it's med surge. I'm like, hey, who do you think is taking care of all these people? I see them for three hours, okay? After that, somebody has to take care of these people. Who do you think that is? Yeah, It's the, the women and men up on these floors that are sticking with them for 12 hours a day with six to eight patients. Mm-hmm. And I was like, guys, and not that I heard it a lot. Actually, I, I heard way more med surge nurses <laughs> complaining about ER nurses. Oh, yes, I'm sure. And I somehow <laughs> became the mouthpiece for ER because they're like, well, why do you guys that we'd have to explain some stuff? Because ER is not all bowls of candy yeah. and kicking back with your feet up in the air either. But it just became one of those things. Yes. And 
I had heard you talk about that. So it was a really interesting, like, oh yeah, I wonder, did you ever want to do ER or ICU? I would have probably eventually done ICU. I think, I don't know, because then I kind of found my spot in non, I, I always thought I would go to the ICU and then I didn't. And I ended up loving a lot of the stuff that you do, not in the ICU, like a lot of the education and all of that that you do outside of it. And I kind of got, I don't know, you can probably tell this because I get offended about everything, but it started offending me when everyone was like, oh, when are you going to the ICU? As if like, that's when your career would actually start, then you would be a good nurse. And I was like, what are you saying about me now? So I kind of have that personality to stick my heels in and be like, well, no, this is great. No, And I had ants that they didn't want to go. Mm -hmm. They were med surge nurses for 20 years. They loved what they did and they were happy to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think anybody, I feel like somebody that tells you you're not good unless you go to those other units. It's like they need some kind of self reassurance. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a real nurse, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> I work in the unit because I worked in hospitals with smaller ICUs. And I was like, Hey, Chucko, I know you think you're really tough, but <laughs> why don't you just back up for just a minute there? <laughs> why, since you're talking some, some major trash. I coming straight out of school, went in straight into the ER and I was green as hell and did not realize what I did not know, <laughs> which is pretty scary in the emergency room. <laughs> And I used to, because I was what I felt was like this hot shot ER nurse, used to kind of bag on the med surge nurses until I started dating one and then married her. Uh, yeah, I was say, <laughs> I'm sure that fixed yeah, it. Yeah, that fixed it real, real damn quick. But I mean, she did med surge for you know, 11 years, 12 years, something like that. And so I had a much greater appreciation for it. And looking back, I certainly would have benefited from that. I mean, I'm not going to take away from my time in the ER because I learned a lot there too. But it certainly would have added to the foundation. And that's my ultimate thing is I don't think there's I can make a million arguments against not doing med surge first of all the stuff you mm-hmm. can learn. Yeah, I can make maybe four or five of why you shouldn't. So it just seems like common sense. Why is this not a thing? I'm not saying don't force it. Like I wouldn't say don't hire someone just because you don't have a med surge position open. But certainly I think. Maybe that's one of the things we should be like, hey, yeah, you should start off in med surge. You might like it. There's a lot of people that stay in med surge. Mm -hmm. And I will say, though, for people that try and say, well, that's the only thing to do, man, ER and med surge and ICU, those are so far apart. Mm -hmm. Like, it's kind of hard to say you can have a foundation of knowledge in med surge, but then again, some of that, especially like medication, passing those, charting, etc. Some of those are very important skills will pass on the ER, but then you kind of have to get into the nuts and bolts of your specialty. Like yeah. if you said, hey, Tom, go to a pediatric cardiology floor. I'd be like, no, <laughs> <laughs> that's no, I know. Yep. I just stay there and shake my head. I'd yep. be like, nope, not me. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> you can't get me to. I'll take a car wreck for a busload of nuns that flipped over. I don't know, but I'm not going to a pediatric cardiology floor. And that's good because that's how I feel about the ER. I'd be like, oh, I think I broke my leg. <laughs> I have to go home. Funny, you just still need to go to the ER. Then. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's a good stopping point for this portion of the conversation. We actually went real long with Liz, didn't we, Tom? Very long. Probably way longer than she anticipated or (laughs) wanted. Yeah, but 
We greatly appreciated that. So basically, we're going to cut this off now with conversation with Liz. This will be part one, and we'll pick up right here next week and finish off the rest of the conversation. I like how you said we appreciated that. Yeah, every time we take someone hostage, we really appreciate them staying hostage. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't we, right? It did work out. <laughs> but other than that, this is you know the end of this episode. So, of course, you can find us on all our social media sites, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all at Just Some Podcast. You can find us on the web, www.justsomepodcast.com. You can also find us on our podcast hosting device, which is justsomepodcast.libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. And don't forget, you can find us on Helium Radio Network. That's Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central. I think we have an update. We do have an update. This will be the first time, Tom, that through the miracle of editing, we are going to actually update the story that we that you heard less than an hour ago. <laughs> it's a Christmas miracle, folks. It is, and it's not even Christmas. It's a uh, it's a Memorial Day miracle, or uh, it's a Mother's Day miracle. There Ooh. we go. Yeah. So the story that we talked about about an hour ago, because I'm sure you'll remember that is the story of the nurse who ran the London Marathon and was denied the record because she wore the doctor's costume and she did not wear the traditional nursing regalia as designated by Guinness, which would be the skirt, the cap, things of that nature. Lots of air quotes in this part. Lots. Doctor quotes, yes. nurses quotes. So a story came out today, and as we're, I say today because we're recording the outro on a Thursday now and we recorded the initial episode on Sunday, that Guinness has come out and stated they realized that their policies were grossly outdated and grossly sexist, and therefore have updated their policies and have awarded her the record for running any nurse's outfit. Let's face the facts here, Ben. We know what really happened. They caught wind that we heard about this, and they're like, holy shit, those guys are six continents strong. We better do something. And you know what, Guinness? You're right. You're glad you did something before we had to put the story out and then put the kibosh on you. So good looking out. And don't you worry. That's the only reason that we are doing this now, you know, so that they no longer have to fear the fact that, you, like you said, we're six continents strong. Well, yeah. People know about this show and the power we wield. And obviously they did not want us coming down on them. So they heard about it. They decided to change their policy before we could come out in full force. So I take full authority to say that just some podcast in conjunction with I'm Nurse Liz, we uh, defeated them. So there you go. We did that. Uh, I think you've been watching too much Game of Thrones with your power wielding. Um. I am Tom, first of his name, breaker, <laughs> breaker of microphones. So Anyway, oh, I hope you guys enjoyed this part of the episode. The next week's episode is going to be, like I said, the continuation of our conversation with Liz. And we're going to continue to talk about a whole bunch of stuff, including the women's health stuff, which is what the original reason that we brought her on the show. But we started talking about so much other stuff that we didn't quite get to that till the end. To be fair, I started talking about other stuff and then it just kind of went out of control. Yeah, happens. But make sure you tune in next week for the remainder of our conversation with her. And other than that, I hope everybody has a great week. I hope everybody stays safe.
known. 